اعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم الحمد لله رب العالمین و صلی الله علی سیدنا محمد و آله الطاهرین Verse number 80 of Surah Araf وَلُوطًا إِذْ قَالَ لِقَوْمِهِ أَتَأْتُونَ الْفَاحِشَةَ مَا سَبَقَكُمْ بِهَا مِنْ أَحَدٍ مِنَ الْعَالَمِينَ أَإِنَّكُمْ لَتَأْتُونَ الرِّجَالَ شَحْوَةً مِنْ دُونِ النِّسَاءِ بَلْ أَنْتُمْ قَوْمٌ مُصْرِفُونَ And Lot, when he said to his people, do you commit an outrage none in the world ever committed before you? Indeed, you come to men with desire instead of women. Rather, you are a profligate lot. If you remember, in the uh, chain of the prophets mentioned in this surah, which we had Nu and Hud and Saleh, the message of all prophets was the same thing. Worship God, there is no God but Him. However, here the message is changed. Here there's nothing about worshiping God. The message is leaving a, an evil habit which was common among that people. And this could be seen in other verses of the Quran as well. Although Lut is uh, called to be one of the Mursaleen, وَإِنَّ لُوتًا لَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ and Mursaleen are the prophets with a clear message from God. However, his message is always the abandonment of this bad habit rather than talking about other things. Of course, he talks about taqwallah, he talks about, he somehow warns people uh, about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if they are going to continue with this evil. However, the main message is to leave this and abandon this bad habit. And the reason is, although of course Tawheed is the main message of all prophets and uh, every prophet, the, the first thing, the, the foremost thing they say is La ilaha illallah. However, here, why about the loot? This is changed usually in different verses of the Quran is because with this bad habit, talking about worshiping God is futile. They have to leave this bad habit first, and then he can talk to them about God, worshipping God, love of God, and all these things. Until they are continuing with this bad habit, it is impossible. And that's why the message of Lut, all throughout the Quran, you would see the first thing is telling to the people that you have to leave this bad habit. So, what he said, he said to his people, in ataatunal fahisha. Now, we discussed Fahisha before when we were uh, talking about uh, uh, what Allah forbids, what Allah allows. And uh, in, in one of the verses we discussed, uh, we were told that قُلْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَأْمَرُ Fahsha and Fahisha are the same thing. Allah does not command to hugely indecent acts or hugely indecent behavior. So Fahisha is hugely indecent behavior. And in the Quran, only two acts are regarded to be Fahisha. Uh, the sin of which is above all other sins. And uh, uh, the, uh, one, of, one of these two is uh, fornication and adultery, zina. And the other one is uh, lawat or sodomy. These two are regarded to be absolutely and highly indecent and the only things which are of course we have other fawahish as well however these two are specifically singled out to be mentioned as fahisha something the sin of which is so great so couple of things in this verse first of all who was loot Lut was a contemporary of Ibrahim السلام, and uh, a relative of him. Now, uh, he was his nephew, but uh, the Torah says that he was son of his brother, but uh, 
Muslim traditions say that he was son of his sister. Anyhow, he was a nephew of Ibrahim salam. He was the first man to believe in Ibrahim when he proclaimed Tawheed in Babylon. When they wanted to burn him, and when he warned the people, Lut Lut believed in him, who was quite a young man at that time. And Ibrahim said, I am going to migrate to my Lord, going to, of course, he was deported from the city and going to Beit al-Maqdis. And Lut also went along with him. So Lut and Ibrahim started their journey together. They were very close, very close in, uh, in traits, in behavior, in, uh, in manners. And also they were both given... Uh, revelation. However, Ibrahim, of course, was superior. Ibrahim was the Imam, and Lut was the Ma'mum. Lut was following Ibrahim. Now, when they came to uh, to Jerusalem, uh, Lut uh, resided in uh, uh, in in a city beside the river, the, the Jordan River, which was a very very cultivated place which was somehow uh, considered to be something like the Garden of Eden. It was a parable that that place where Lut migrated and stayed was uh, uh, something like the Garden of Eden. However, why he went there and he didn't go and uh, stay with Ibrahim where he stayed in a different city in, in Jerusalem in the, in, in the area of Palestine, there are two different differ, differing uh, accounts the torah has that he had a sort of row with uh, with ibrahim over livestock which seems quite improbable the torah says that they became very rich ibrahim and lut became very rich so that they could not actually the, the shepherds which were uh, pasturing their livestock they always they were quarreling with, with each other about the grazing land. And therefore, Lut had to migrate to another place and Ibrahim to live in another place. This is uh, like other stories mentioned about Lut in, 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 in the Torah, which are absolutely, absolutely fahisha, which I don't want to mention them. It's, there's no, no need to repeat those stories. However, what the Muslim account has it is that Ibrahim actually sent Lut to that place to guide the people, which is, of course, something more plausible to, to consider because Ibrahim was the imam and Lut was the ma'amum. Although both of them were prophets, now we understand what's the meaning of an imam prophet and a ma'amum prophet, a prophet which is not the imam. The imam prophet can command another prophet to go and do uh, take the message to wherever he, he commands. So... He went and resided there. However, that was an, although it was a beautiful place, a very cultivated area, something like Garden of Eden. However, the people were evil, and uh, Lut, because he had orders from Ibrahim to stay there, no matter what they did, he persisted and insisted in staying to the extent that they wanted to deport him. Uh, if you do not stop advising us and admonishing us, we will deport you from this, this area. So he went and resided there in, uh, in the area that we know to be the Dead Sea today. It was... This was the land where these cities, the, the Sodom and Amura or Gamura, they were situated. And there were five very uh, famous cities there, all of which uh, were destroyed uh, because of the, the, the bad habit. However, uh, the, the area became a barren land after the uh, the, the punishment and the destruction. Mm -hmm. I, I was saying that despite the fact that they were trying to deport Lut, he did not leave the area because he had commands from 
Ibrahim السلام, to stay there. And of course, in the course of conversation that we will see between Ibrahim and the angels, Ibrahim was very much concerned about loots living in that area when the punishment was going to, to be brought to them because most probably, as I said, according to the Muslim accounts, he had sent loot to that city to guide the people. And of course, there is a very beautiful and delicate story about how Ibrahim looked at the whole thing, which I will, I will mention shortly. However, about uh, the personality of Lut himself, the Quran actually uh, uh, gives a very high esteem, places a very high esteem on Lut. Uh, when in Surah Anbiya it says, Walutan and to Lut we gave hook and Elm. Elm, of course, is knowledge of the unseen in this uh, uh, context, and hook is the wisdom of knowing what to do, what not to do. This is hook. It may be prophethood, it may be wisdom that Allah gives to whoever, whoever He wishes. يُؤْتِ الْحِكْمَةَ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَمَنْ يُؤْتَ الْحِكْمَةَ to whoever this wisdom is given, and that wisdom is actually uh, the ability to use the aql, the universal aql, which of course tells human beings what is right and what is wrong. So we gave him that. And we saved him from the city which was committing khaba'ith, evil acts, and they were really evil people, fasiqeen, transgressors. And we made them enter into our rahmah. So this is one of the highest sort of description that Quran has given to any prophet, to loot. So his personality was quite an established personality, even in terms of when in the scale of the prophets, he was someone kept at a very high esteem by the Quran. And uh, uh, his story is very sad because he was, despite such a personality, despite such a spirituality, he was actually uh, trapped among people who were the most evil people uh, the Quran ever mentions. Now, one other thing which is uh, mentioned in this verse, so Lutan is first of all, this is the Fahisha that they were doing, and secondly, no one in the human world ever has done this before. So, the act that they were doing was unprecedented something which was somehow uh, imagined and perpetrated by the people of that city initially. They had not learned it from anyone else. They had not uh, uh, imported it from any other culture. This was the culture that they themselves cherished. And they themselves actually made to look beautiful for everyone because Every person in that city, almost every person in that city, will come to, 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 to that shortly. Almost every person in that city was practicing uh, this very evil act that they were doing. So they had created it and they had created a culture for it. That's very important. And this is what we have to be aware of even nowadays when we are talking about this habit of Sodomy, that which comes from Sodom, that, that the city of city of the people of Lut, we have to be careful that they made a culture for it, and that's why when Lut was advising them, they were somehow criticizing him for why are you do, why are you advising us, why are you prohibiting us from doing this? They had made a culture that everyone in that city saw that this is not an evil act, this is a good act, and uh, the, 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 there is nothing wrong with it. And the type of conversation they had with Lut shows that they had made the culture in a way that whenever Lut wanted to talk about it, 
they objected when he said, uh, when, when his guests went to his house, the angels, didn't we warn you that you should not bring anyone, any guests here, otherwise we would take them? And take my daughters. Of course, he offered his daughters to the heads of uh, the city to marry. So this shows they had made the culture for it. You know very well that we are not approaching your daughters. This is not something that we are going to do. We have explained this to you. We have explained uh, elaborated this culture to you that this is what we are we are doing so they had initiated it they had improvised it and they had made the culture for it to justify it to look nice so that everyone does it and uh, uh, whenever loot wanted to talk about it they said that the only thing is that we will deport you or the other very interesting thing you have to deport Alelut from your city because they are a people who keep away from this. That shows that keeping away from such a practice was somehow abominable for these people. They looked down at someone who did not practice this so that uh, they, they tried to deport Lut because of that. They want to keep pure of this act. We do not allow them. It's not permissible in our city for anyone to do this. And when we talk about a city, we, here we are not talking about a few thugs. We are talking about the whole people of that city. The scientists, the philosophers, the, the kings... The people, the, the people, the subjects of the king. We are talking about everyone. Wajaa ahlul Madina, ahlul Madina All people of the city came, chanting and singing and talking to loot in a way that you have to submit your guests to us, uh, as the story goes. So. They had initiated it, they had made a culture for it, and loot was actually swimming against the, uh, the floor, was swimming against the water. So, these cities, I'll talk about the cities later. You come to men with desire, with passionate desire, you come to men, and this shahwa, or sexual desire, you come to men with sexual desire rather than going to women, shows that this shahwa was something which was in them initially. There was an inclination. There was a sort of desire, at least in some of them, which later on they made it the culture in the city. Because even if we, we look at the practice today, we would see that there is some inclination in some people. Some people have somehow deviation in their sexual nature. So they tend to the, uh, not to, to the opposite sex. Uh, but when these people try to justify what they do, because of course they have some sort of natural disposition, then they somehow advertise it to other people, which then it becomes a culture. Then everyone thinks that, okay, we have to we have to try this as well. This is what they had done. There was a shahwa in some of them. And they justified their action because of that shahwa. And then, of course, it became a culture in the city. Now, a very important issue, which, of course, concerns us today as well, is that those people who practice homosexuality, 
many, not many of them, of course, some of them have this sort of uh, uh, deviation in their nature. By deviation, I don't mean, of course, pervert deviation. Some deviated desire, desire which is not natural, unnatural desire, although they call it natural, but it's an unnatural desire according to human nature of reproduction. Uh, they have such desire, and then they try to justify the act due to that desire, and then advertise it to other people who don't have this, such a desire as well. Now, what the Quran, the Bible, the Torah, the Angel, they all tell us, and every religion tell us, is that although such desire exists in some people as an unnatural sort of desire, desire according to human nature. However, this should not be expressed. Because if it's expressed, then the whole culture is made around it and it becomes so common as, as we see. And those people should be either treated or they have to just somehow change sex if, if there is such an exigency. This habit should not be expressed under any circumstances, according to religions. Now, according to others who have made a culture for it, that's different. According to religions, all religions, uh, this sort of disposition should not be expressed in any any sense. So, uh, means that, yes, of course there is a shahwa here. However, this has, is something that, first of all, it may have been in, existing in certain people, but you have made it a common practice now. You are a profligate group of people. Profligate, musraf, is someone who trespasses the limits. You are trespassing the limits of practice of desire. Practice of desire should not come to this certain uh, boundaries. Now, these people had other evil habits as well. It was not only sodomy. There were other things which, of course, compared to this, was not uh, very uh, outstanding. Uh, but if we take look at them, in isolation, each one of them were really an evil habit. Now, in Surah An-Kabut, Lut talks about other evil habits of these people. It says, أَإِنَّكُمْ لَتَأْتُونَ الرِّجَالَ وَتَقْتَعُونَ السَّبِيلِ وَتَأْتُونَ فِي نَادِيكُمُ الْمُنْكَرِ فَمَا كَانَ جَوَابَ قَوْمِهِ إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا اِئْتِنَا بِعَذَابِ اللَّهِ do not argue with us. Bring us the punishment of God. You say that you are a prophet. Bring us the punishment. Do not argue. We do not want to listen. Now, what they did, it was robbery. It was highway robbery. They did not have any regard for any other people. Any guest, any bypasser coming, going to their city. They robbed them. They, uh, they even raped them if they were men. They did all these things. Means that you bring these people to your clubs and do very evil things there without any shame. With, shamelessly you do these things. So these other evils were there as well, especially the robbery that they were doing. However, since this act was quite evil, uh, other things are somehow losing color. Uh, against the, this bad habit. Sometimes people say that this is a sort of individual decision for people to make if it is not somehow uh, intruding in rights of others, why should we prohibit it? Here we see that even robbery which is intruding into the rights of, of others is seen as very small compared to the act that way they were doing. وَمَا كَانَ جَوَابَ قَوْمِهِ إِلَّا أَنْ قَالُوا أَخْرِجُوهُمْ مِنْ قَرْيَتِكُمْ إِنَّهُمْ أُنَاسٌ يَتَتَحَّرُونَ But the answer of his people was that they said, expel them from 
your town they are indeed a puritanical lots a, a people who want to keep pure of this acts now the, the next verse says that فَأَنْجَيْنَاهُ وَأَهْلَهُ إِلَّا مْرَأَتَهُ كَانَتْ مِنَ الْغَابِرِينَ So we delivered him and his family except his wife. She was one of those who remained behind. This shows that there was no one in the city who had ever believed in Lutz. No one. It was only his family. And even in his family, not all his family. His wife was not a believer. His wife actually took side with that habit. Now, you can imagine if a habit spreads in a culture, in a town, in a city, to the extent that even wife of Lut is influenced by it, how this culture has been cultivated in the minds and hearts of the people. It was cultivated in the minds and hearts of the people. To the extent that even in the house of Lut, people were arguing whether this is right or wrong to do. It was not something clear cut for them to say, to judge this is right or this is wrong. So even Lut's wife was siding with them because she was influenced by uh, the propaganda they were making about the decency of such act. So we saved him and his his family ahlahu no followers no companions he had no one there he was quite alone in that city in surah zariyat uh, allah says that there was only one house in that city who believed and that one house we saved says that qala fa ma khatbukum when the the messengers of god the angels said to ibrahim that their mission was to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And then it says, Any believer lived in that city we brought out before the punishment is struck. However, فَمَا وَجَدْنَا فِيهَا غَيْرَ بَيْتٍ مِّنَ الْمُسْلِمِ There was only one house who was submitted, who, who had submitted to, to us, and that's Lut and his daughters. He actually had daughters only. So Lut and his daughters, even his sons-in-law did not believe in him. Uh, according to some stories, he went to his sons-in-laws and he was trying to convince them to leave the city they were hesitant and there was no time, so he left with his daughters and everyone else were destroyed there. So, uh, In the Bible, uh, the story says that when these angels, the story of the Bible in the case of Lut is quite similar to the story of the Quran, except, as I said, in those indecent attributes that it gives to Lut and, and his family. Uh, when the angels went to, uh, to Ibrahim and said that we are destroying Sodom and Gomorrah and, uh, and, and there were five cities there, he said that uh, would the Lord punish uh, the people of a city if 50 believers live in them, in that city? The angels said no. He said, would the Lord forgive the people and forego the punishment if 45 believers live there. Uh, they said, the Lord says, no, if there are 45 believers, I would not punish. And this shows the importance of believers in a city. And this shows that if there is a, in a city or in a town or in a country, people with mixed sort of attitudes, believers and non-believers live together Never punishment comes. Now, he said that uh, 45, then he somehow became more daring to ask more and more from the Lord. And uh, he said, eventually they said, even if there are 10 people in the city, the city would not be destroyed. And he thought that, well, 10 people is not big number. And... Uh, 
Lut at least would have some followers there. However, the verse here says, "Fama wajat nafiha ghayra min al-Muslimin," somehow alluding to that probably conversation. There was only one city, one house in that city who were believers. Now, in uh, in Surah An-Kabut, again the same story is mentioned when they give the news that they are going to destroy that that city. Lot is in that city. How are you going to destroy it? Lot is living there. They said, we know better who is in that city. We will save him and his family except his wife. Now, one beautiful thing that I mentioned I will say about Ibrahim. Because Ibrahim, according to certain accounts, had sent Lot to these people to guide them. And Ibrahim was actually a manifestation of God's mercy, a manifestation of God's care, God's consideration for his people. Now, it says, after the angel talked to him, you know, the angels brought the good news for him that he's going to have Ishaq, and the bad news that they were going to destroy the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. So, when Ibrahim somehow familiarized with these guests who were angels, because initially he was frightened by them, the, the way they had entered and all those stories, When fear abandoned Ibrahim, and we gave him good news, he started to argue with us about the people of Lut. And apparently there was an argument, which is not mentioned in the Quran, that Ibrahim was putting for the people of Sodom and Gomorrah to that Allah may give him more may give them more time. Maybe they they are reminded. Maybe they come to their minds. So, يُجَادِلُنَا فِي قَوْمِ إِنَّ إِبْرَاهِيمَ لَحَلِيمٌ أَوَّاهٌ مُنِيبٌ Ibrahim was very halim. Halim is someone with great forbearance. Was halim. He was awah, always turning to the Lord with supplication, with hadharruq. This was the nature of Ibrahim. And then the angels, instead of Ibrahim encouraging the angels to punish, and the angels encouraging Ibrahim to have patience, Ibrahim was encouraging the angels to patience. Well, of course, getting permission from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the angels said, Ya Ibrahim, he argued for so long for the people of Sadum and Gomorrah, until the angel said, Ya Ibrahim, A'raz an hadha, leave this. Do not argue with us. Innahu qad amru rabbik. It's not in our hands. The command of the Lord has come. We have no other choice but to perform the command. So, yujadiluna fi qawmilit doesn't mean that Ibrahim was talking to the Lord, as the Bible says that he was talking to the Lord. To the Lord. No, he was talking to the angels. And the angels said, Ya Ibrahim, leave this. The command of your Lord has already come. This is not going to be averted. This is not something that you can do anything about it. Now, this shows very beautifully the nature of a prophet like Ibrahim especially the prophet was Ulul Az. Now you can compare his attitude with the aptitude of Lut. Now Lut, of course, was there under commands of Ibrahim or commands of Allah or whatever. And but because he was seeing what they were doing, maybe Ibrahim was not seeing what was happening in that city. He was not seeing the munkar which was happening in that city. But Lut was seeing it every day. When the angels said that we are going to destroy this city, apparently, according to some accounts, Lut said that, when are you going to do this? Do it now before they put hands on you. 
And they said, Inna mawa'idahum al-subh. The appointment for this destruction is the morning. And this shows how the angels work as well. They are given appointed time, appointed action, what should be done, and they act upon the orders. The appointed time for them is the morning. Isn't the morning very close? It's just to give you time, to give you and your daughters time to leave the city. Just for that. You leave and we will destroy the city. So this shows the difference, either in nature or in experience. Of course, Lut was a big prophet as well. However, the experience he was, the type of thing he was experiencing was so uh, intolerable that he wanted the punishment to come sooner rather than later. Unlike Ibrahim, who was arguing to, with the angels that they ask Allah to give more time to these people. So, فَأَنْجَيْنَاهُ وَأَهْلَهُ إِلَّا مْرَأَتَهُ كَانَتْ مِنَ الْغَابِرِينَ وَأَمْتَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ مَتَرًا And we poured upon them a type of rain. Matara, a type of rain. فَانْذُرْ كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الْمُجْرِمِينَ Now, what sort of punishment this was? And interestingly, it was a natural phenomenon attributed to the angels. Uh, we, we have to uh, somehow elaborate on this, inshallah, a bit further. So we leave this for next week. Thank you very much indeed, Sheikh. Uh, any brothers, sisters uh, wanting to start the discussion? Please. Yes? Uh, the, towards the beginning, we said something about the, um, the gods that were being followed at the time and that they were in control. Could you expound a bit more on demigods, uh, like what we call the Vasila? Do I remember correctly that one of these Lat, Manat, and Uzza, some were daughters of the god? So mm. was there, a, perhaps, was there, in, even in Lut's case, maybe, is that the representative of the real god would be the one that they follow, or was it that they thought it was more than one in control at the very top? And is that what mushrik means? Well, in the case of Lut, as I said, the discussions are mainly center around the practice rather than around the, the belief. That because this practice was so outrageous that Lut actually concentrates all his mission on uh, disapproving this act. Uh, however, with regards to demigods or, uh, or intermediary gods, yes, if we think that there is anyone who controls anything parallel with God, beside God, out of the control of God, or out of their own volition and choice, then this is shirk, if we believe in such a thing. Sorry, what I meant was that there was no records of any other gods being in control of Lut's uh, people. There was no demigods involved. Certainly, uh, because idolatry and worshipping gods was a global culture. And we cannot imagine that th these people were not worshipping idols. They were also worshipping idols. However, as I said, the mission was concentrated on the practice rather than on those gods in the first place. Because, I mean, as long as they were continuing that practice, it was futile for Lut to talk about God and worshipping God and such things. I'm not quite sure whether I understood uh, when you say that uh, there are acts which were being committed, sodomy, and all the other acts, which obviously they thought is quite natural. But the other acts you alluded to, like uh, robbery, 
And I don't know whether I understood correctly, but those are obvious. People would know that is AMO, or not, they're not, these are not moral acts. Which the robbery and yeah. uh, certainly they knew that, of course. Uh, they also knew that their uh, very outstanding uh, or, or uh, peculiar practice was unnatural as well, because this is what something Lut was telling them that this is something that you have initiated. No one before you have done this. Just asking in the sense of disapproving that what are you doing? This is something which is quite outrageous. So they knew all of these were wrong. However, they continued practicing it. Not that they didn't know that uh, their homosexual practice was not wrong. They knew that it was wrong. So there was no punishment for people who, for example, disregarded people with their uh, you know, belongings and robbery? No, the same people were practicing robbery as well. The same people. I mean, as I said, it was a, quite a common culture among everyone. And if you have, so if, if they, they had such a culture, such a fahisha, then they disregarded any other thing, people's property, people's lives, and all these things. So uh, all, all these were reasons that they should have been punished. However, God says that for this one reason they were punished rather than for other things. Yes, uh, please take the mic. Um, you were talking about how the angels were also uh, talking to Nabi Ibrahim and he was putting forward the arguments about the Kome or the Sodom and Gomorrah if the Azab was going to come to them. So did the angels actually have something to do with discussing with Nabi Ibrahim before the Azab came to Komelut? Yes, because before they go into to Sodom, they came to Ibrahim, where he was living. Of course, the Quran doesn't mention where Ibrahim was living, but it was in Palestine. So they went to him, and uh, they were his guests overnight. And uh, they gave him and his wife the good news that Allah is going to give them a child, a son, although both of them were very old. And when, of course, they familiarized, they sat, they started to talk, and Ibrahim somehow was calmed down, then he asked them, where are you going from here? Where are you going from here? They said, we are going to destroy the people of Lut. And then this argument started. Maybe it lasted for a few hours. We don't know. Yeah. Any other sister? For, for how long these people lasted? Because How did they breed? Uh, that's a good question. How they breed? Uh, the hadith says that as these people, because initially they were not practicing this, as this practice became somehow common. Then when the men were somehow uh, uh, going to men, the women started to go to women as well because, of course, they had sexual desires as well. So they thought, why men are, are doing this? Why shouldn't we do this? However, apparently, this shouldn't have lasted for long because otherwise the, the, the whole reproduction would have stopped. And we would deduce that the act was so outrageous that Allah did not give them time. For all other acts, Allah gives time, but for this, Allah did not give time. Now, you may say that, okay, in our contemporary time, we have people practicing it. Why, of course, Allah gives them time. As I said, if there were about 50 people in that city, believers, who could develop a different culture, and teach a different culture, they would have been saved. But there was no one in that city except Lut and his family. Okay, I think Nizar, you had a question? Yeah, thank you. 
one of the questions um, has just been answered because I was thinking the same that was it just homosexuality or lesbianism was also prevalent because Luth offered his daughters, I know he didn't have any sons, but he didn't offer his sons, for example. Uh, but at the same time, his wife was on the other side. So there might have been practice amongst the women as well. Mm -hmm. um, you also then mentioned that, I think you alluded to that, that that is an evil that is prevalent in all societies, even in modern times as well. And the problem seems to be this inclination by individuals, but it is the expression of that inclination that should be inhibited, that so it doesn't sweep around the, around the community. Um, then you, so two important questions arise in my mind that you raised. Number one, you then just touched on the subject of sex change, and I'm just wondering whether, is that a solution? Um, and how does Islam see gender change mm. as a solution? Mm. Um, and um, the, the, the other question was, uh, the, I, I just Googled and seen what the prevalence of homosexuality in the world is, and it says varies between 2 to 13%, and there's no difference between the East and the West, or the Muslim and the non-Muslim country, according to the research and studies. Where in the community of Luth, we are talking about 99%. Mm. Um, so then I try to think that, well, Allah then destroyed that community. So the pre-markers of that community, it may be robbery on the highway, today it may be robbery in the global highway. Um, and the prevalence of, uh, of, um, of um, homosexuality is one indicator Mm. until the level that you actually legitimize it for society to accept it. You actually announce a marriage as well. Um, so are these I really find a family as well. <laughs> so are, they all, are these all precursors of a yeah. new loot effect to come? Yeah, these are not good signs. Certainly, these are not good signs. And uh, with regards to sex change, you know, even in the early days of Islam, we had such problems. We have lots of anecdotes about judgments of, uh, of different uh, judges, including Amir al-Mu'in when people with such inclinations were brought to them. The ruling was that the most uh, overwhelming inclination were, was taken as their nature. So, and then they judged, you are a man or you are a woman, and then they had to follow that. The most overwhelming inclination was uh, the the case for judgment. They judged them according to that. And there are many anecdotes, as I said, they came and the judge, the Qadi, decided whether they are a man, they were men or women. And if they were women, they had to put hijab and go, although previously they thought that they were men. And uh, of course, vice versa. However, these were very extreme cases. We know that these things exist. However, we know that religions have been vehemently and strongly opposed to expression of anything like that. And one of the solutions which is uh, recently, of course, has been made possible, of course, in old days they did it with certain other methods, is sex change. That if, for example, someone uh, is thought to be a man because of the appearance, but the hormones, the inside, the nature is woman, they can uh, somehow, by some operation, make the sex change, become a woman, and live as a woman. So this is something which is allowed, and in very extreme cases, it is seen as a solution. Of course, not in every case. Yeah, can you take the mic, please? Alaykum <laughs> Thank you so much for such a wonderful explanation. Just want to share, uh, there is uh, Shoaib Mansoor, uh, is a director of the film called Bol, which means to speak. He is tried to, this is a very prominent problem in Pakistan, mm. and he's tried to address this issue. 
And um, this lady, I just want to share it with you, this lady who kills his father. There are, of course, many circumstances involved into this. But one of the reasons was when the, after seven daughters, the son was born as an intersect. And the father, want, being a very religious man, very much afraid of the society, and he wanted to kill this child. And eventually, mothers and the daughter uh, asked him to, we will look after him and don't worry about it. Eventually, the tendency goes that he do sort of act according to that. And then, of course, many things involved, and the people try to abuse him. And I think it's, it's uh, just wanted to share that this issue has been sort of addressing in the, in the film. Well, it can be reached through the media to understand what is happening. So if the child is being born like that, uh, uh, I mean, what would be the, uh, the best solution is to, you know, the natural instinct would be that he would be inclined towards that sort of a thing. And every time he does that sort of act, the sister would try to stop it. Uh, but uh, I think it's um, some of the issues, of course everything I don't agree in the film, but some of the issues is very nicely tackled and this is something which is uh, mm. worth looking at. So I just wanted to share it with okay, you. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Well, for the expression of this instinct of, well, we cannot say instinct, this inclination or tendency, there is a big punishment in Islam, it's death. Uh, it's not only in Islam, in, in Judaism, in Islam, and of course Christianity has somehow abandoned the Sharia of Musa, but uh, uh, certainly it has seen right from the early days, it has seen this as a very outrageous sort of practice. So for anyone who expresses such a tendency, the death penalty is there so that the society is kept somehow pure from this practice coming from those people with certain tendencies and inclination, just like fornication and adultery. I mean, there is a tendency for that. There is always tendency for that. However, there is huge punishment, severe punishment to stop it. And, uh, of course, nowadays uh, they are seen unfair because these acts uh, have come to be seen as natural. So we have to somehow be careful about what cultures we are cherishing in our minds and our families. Thank you, Shaykh. Any other? Yes, sir. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. The brother, seven, eight years ago when uh, a tsunami happened, I was in, in Sri Lanka and I met a lot of Muslims, strong Muslims and ulama there. And when I talked to them about it, I was covering a story. They said that's an act of God. It's a punishment for the corruption of the world in Sri Lanka, Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines. Right. If it's punishment of God, if it's act of God, why the corruption is still in these countries? I mean, or if it's, it's not punishment. I mean, what do you think? Uh, well, to call these natural events as punishment in the first place is, uh, is, uh, is a point to be questioned. As we discussed before, nowadays it's not to us to judge what is a punishment, what is not a punishment. There are reminders, certainly. When these things happen, we have to be reminded of our vulnerability, to be reminded of what may happen to us, to be reminded of the way we are leading our lives. But judging them as punishment of God is not our uh, duty and our rights. We do not have any right to talk about anything like that to be a punishment or uh, uh, anything as in terms of prosperity or well-being as a reward of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is only when a prophet is uh, uh, somehow opposed very strongly and the people ask for the punishment of God when these natural things are called to be punishments. Otherwise, the Quran calls them calamities. Calamities, musiba is there. And musiba is always something which comes due to what we have done, as the Quran says. مَا أَصَابَ مِنْ مُصِيبَةٍ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِ اللَّهِ وَمَا أَصَابَكُمْ مِنْ مُصِيبَةٍ فَبِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِيكُمْ is due to what you have done. However, these are not destructions or punishments like that. It's just a musibah to bring us to our minds, to remind us. So calamities, yes. 
we can call all these things as calamities. However, as those destructions which happened at the time of prophets, we cannot call them. And these calamities or reminders may come anywhere in the world. However, in some instances, even these would not work anymore. So you may not see it at all. There is no purpose for it. Allah is not sitting there to take revenge or to somehow be happy by punishing the people. So if, if we take it as a musibah so that we come to our minds, it only happens if there is a function for it. If there is no function for it, and if there is no natural cause for it, then of course why this should be done. Sheikh, I just want to ask you, uh, can there be two prophets at the same time? Because as uh, we know that there, there can't be two imams at one time. Yeah, so. yeah no, the, the, certainly not two imams, but two prophets. We see Lut and Ibrahim were and in what time? In one time. And many of the prophets of Banu Israel, Musa and Harun, were at living in, and both of them were from Mursalin, actually. And Lut and Ibrahim were from Mursalin, both of them were from Mursalin. And in certain cases, we had several prophets living at the same time in the same community, not even in different communities. However, as uh, our Shia faith put it, all the time one of them is the leading prophet, who is the imam. And other prophets have to follow him. This, otherwise, it doesn't work. So this is the way it is. Doesn't the Quran say that there is no difference between the grades of the prophets? They're all the same and equal? No, they are not equal. The Quran says the opposite, actually. Some of the prophets' messengers we have given priority and merit over others. So the Quran talks about differences rather than equality. Thank you. Any sisters? Brothers? Sheikh, uh, this act that we are talking about affects the emotional side of a human being. Uh, and uh, if you look at other acts, like, say, I mean, robbery, uh, which has well discussed now, um, it has never been decriminalized. It has always been either taken as a criminal act or punishable act or whatever. But uh, then when we look at drugs, hard drugs, for example, they have become acceptable in some sort of societies uh, because it has emotional effects. So is it because of this emotional effect that this act that we are talking about has been become acceptable in certain societies? And, uh, no, what I think, in my belief, because we live in an individualistic society, the concept of community is already gone. Individuals are important and what they desire. The Hawa. The Quran tells us, الْحَوَى But the modern society tells us, الْحَوَى Follow your desires, whatever your desires say. Now, because we live in such an individualistic society, any act which would not somehow intrude to other people's uh, lives or property, especially property. Now, of course, the, the modern society is the, the society which safeguards the property especially the property, then it is quite unnatural, very indecent, something outrageous, and big punishments for it. But when it comes to individual life, the private life, they say, okay, let people do whatever they want. We do not want to decide about it, which is somehow uh, the sign of that sense of community having abandoned our societies. However, religions, of course, talk about private life in the same way as they talk about social life. And the private life, private practice of people is a matter of concern for religions as well, because, of course, they want to call people to God. And with certain sort of practices, privately, even privately, this call to God would not materialize. Yeah, thanks. I think it, it makes... Uh more sense than what I had in mind about the emotional effect because if you look at individual families, sometimes in a family uh, a person may be having this kind of habit uh, and then the family comes to know of it. The, the family members don't like it, 
or they try to discourage him and uh, because then it affects the families as well as long as it was not known to the family that individual was sort of happy in his own own, own mm. life mm. but when the family comes to know it obviously it starts affecting the family yeah and the, maybe the bigger is circle it, the problem is in, in this sort of tendency has been there in human being since the beginning okay it's not something new however what has happened in the modern society is that this is not regarded as indecent and that's the problem because in old days anyone having it they try to hide it now they do not care if they hide it or they express it thank you any other last question brothers sisters no thank you uh, thank you sheikh mohammed ali mohammed salwan allahumma salli ala muhammad